Hello, you're listening to New England Climate Conversations, the podcast all about the impacts of climate change and how we can make a difference. I'm your host, Owen, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Dean, Luna, and Corbin. On this episode, our very first, we'll be talking about how climate change has affected Maine wildlife broadly, the lobster population in particular, and how it will shape the future of Maine. But first, we'd like to begin with what we call Climate Bites. Climate Bites is our rapid-fire segment on recent major climate events. I'll turn it over to Dean to start. All right, well, our first climate bite is regarding uh, Hurricane Lee this past September that we got in down East Maine, and it was the strongest hurricane that we Mainers have received since Hurricane Bob in 1991, before several of us were even alive, I'm sure. So that mostly consisted of strong winds and heavy rain, um, outages in certain parts of the state, but not all over. But this could be a sign of worse to come, um, especially with the Gulf of Maine warning so quickly, as our host, Owen, will discuss in a future article regarding lobsters. The second climate bite... I'd wanted to touch on were the Afghanistan cold snap, uh, the Afghanistan cold snap, excuse me, in January of 2023. And, th- and that was the second deadliest winter disaster of 2023 so far. Uh, so it killed 160 people, as well as 80,000 livestock, um, as well as gave 150 people carbon monoxide poisoning in their homes, uh, in their homes by proxy. And it saw temperatures plummet to negative 27 degrees Fahrenheit in some areas, with some areas also seeing up to 12 inches of snow. Definitely irregular weather for this time of year in that part of the world, where normal temperatures are somewhere around um, positive 44 degrees Fahrenheit. In mid-July 2023, Vermont and some of the surrounding regions suffered catastrophic flash and river flooding. The storm averaged 6 to 9 inches of rain throughout most of the state. In Montpelier, an all-time July rainfall record was set of 12.06 inches, beating August 1989's 10.69 inches. Many of the roads required closures and people were advised to evacuate. Vermont was under a declared state of emergency during the event. Over 100 people needed rescue from vehicles and buildings. Some of the damage from the now-called Great Vermont Flood of July 2023 exceeded impacts from 2011's Tropical Storm Irene. Significant property losses, including but not limited to building infrastructure collapse, Bridge and road washouts, more than two deaths, and many more injuries have been reported. Businesses and schools, among other community services, were inundated and suffered losses due to property damage, personnel shortages, and forced closures. Two major rivers, the Winooski and the Lamois, set record-breaking water level rise. Travel and recreation is still yet to recover. The storm has brought as much as $6 billion in damages across the region. And now for an update on the Canada wildfires in the region to the north of the state. An unusually active wildfire season in Canada has led to a lot of hazy days in Maine, but smoky skies appear to be clearing for the moment, according to the National Weather Service. That hasn't been the only wildfire in the area. Northern Maine has regularly seen impulses of smoke from Canadian wildfires throughout the summer. Canada's had its worst wildfire season on record. The haze has been thick enough to prevent the sun from warming the air, actually lowering the predicted high temperature by a few degrees. The smoke has been in the air of northern Maine for about five days, but as of Monday morning, that had all passed out to sea. For now, according to some meteorologists, the thick of it is currently missing the northern part of the Pine Tree State. This has been New England Climate Conversations Climate Bites. Thank you very much, Dean and Luna. And now for an article on wildfires. Since the late 1800s, the state of Maine has warmed up about 3 degrees Fahrenheit in recent years and roughly 440 different animals have been researched and deemed at risk for negative effects from climate change here in Maine. Summers are hotter and drier while spring is arriving earlier and is heavier in precipitation. The sea level is rising and warming and flooding. It gets worse and worse every winter. 
All these factors and then some play into the displacement and dismay of Maine's wildlife. Now I'm going to go into some of the specifics like what animals are affected and what kinds of habitats are being messed up are being messed with due to climate change. Warming in the state and water over the past few years has caused one of our biggest markets to migrate more north. That's right, the good old Maine lobster. Lobsters are not the only ones. Deer, moose, loons, raccoons, aquatic insects, and just about any and all animals, big or small, are being affected by climate change. We can see that this is ruining their homes. Animals in Maine are already dealing with lower survival rates due to the loss of a balanced climate. Food is becoming scarcer as prey and predator try equally as hard to try and survive the changing climate. Unsuccessful reproduction is caused due to the signs of seasons changing and lasting longer or shorter, messing up to the instinctual senses of our wildlife and a general destruction of their habitats due to droughts, heavy rainfalls, floods, etc. Plant life is, a, is quite a large and impactful decision maker when it comes to the effects of our wildlife's habitats. Plants are blooming too late or too early due to changes in temperature throughout the state as they try and adapt to their new environments. Some even die off and make way for new and invasive species to take their place, causing a domino effect of negativity in the ecosystem. This causes a loss of plant life, which in turn shows us a loss in animal life, as the animals that are dependent on these plants now must look elsewhere and move completely to find a good and steady food source. Destructive elements have increased as fluctuations in Earth's climate cause heavy precipitation, which in turn can cause flooding, warmer winters, and cooler summers, which all affect the seasonal wildlife in Maine. Natural erosion is a big play in the habitats of Maine's wildlife, as the changes in our weather can also speed along the erosion process, leaving water unfiltered from soil pollutants and even fell trees, further harming the habitats of animals, forcing them into new environments they are unsure of or may not even be able to survive in if the climate keeps changing. Changing in Maine's wildlife also influences us humans, like making tick-borne diseases more common as the increase in heat results in longer tick lifespan. I think we must have been seeing some of that this past summer. Ticks, Ticks were... They were terrible. They were terrible. <laughs> they were crazy this year. Uh, depending on the environment, they will spread farther into the environment, thus making lime a much bigger risk throughout the world. Lobsters, which are one of the biggest exports of Maine, will move to deeper, colder waters and change the times they molt, making them more prone to diseases. Deer can be starved due to shorter and harsher winters and warmer and longer summers, which gives them the time to eat themselves out of a house and home, so to say, or to succumb to the ever-growing difficulty and harshness of Maine winters. Keeping all of this in mind, it's fair to say that fisheries, taxidermists, and farmers will have a difficulty when it comes to managing or even having animals to work with further, causing an effect on humans. Can and how would we stop or affect climate change harming wildlife habitats? We absolutely can make a positive de decisions that take actions that would help the wildlife in Maine. In Maine, we can replant trees in an attempt to restore uh, the forested ha animals' habitats, replant endangered or struggling plant life that also provides food and shelter for our wildlife, community involvement, we could contribute more to water management, not taking or moving bodies of water for our own usage or consumption, and simply educating others on the causes and effects of climate change as well as how it affects not only you or me, but the entire world, from the earth we stand on to the air we breathe, all the way down to the smallest earthworm enriching the soil for a good crop. Now, are there any particular areas of Maine that are hit harder than others? Uh, not particularly speaking about wildlife, but in general, climate change has been uh, noted to hit Portland the heaviest. Uh, Portland... Uh, statistically has the biggest overall climate risk currently here in Maine. Climate change is detrimental, if not now, then soon, for not only our wildlife here in Maine, but also for us. Climate change never has and never will be stately or even hemispherical. 
Climate change is happening to all of us, no matter where we live, our wildlife, or our environment. It's time to step up and be the positive change we would like to see. Now that Corbin's spoken a bit about Maine's wildlife in general, I'd like to specifically discuss the effects of climate change on the lobster industry throughout New England. As I'm sure we all know, the lobster industry is a vital piece of not only the economy of New England, and particularly Maine, but its cultural identity as well. Even if you don't care for lobster and you aren't involved in the industry, you've probably spoken to lobster fishers if you live in the region. If you live somewhere near the coast, you probably have friends who work or have worked in the industry. Friends who would be, or already are being, impacted by major changes in the lobster population. Because with waters warming over time, the identity and economic opportunity represented by lobster fishing looks to be in jeopardy, especially in the southern portion of New England. Over the last several decades, the lobster population in the northeastern states has shifted dramatically northward, at a rate of about 43 miles per decade, based on data from 1968 to 2011. This has all but collapsed the lobster industry in southern New England, that is, Rhode Island, Connecticut, the Long Island Sound, and the southern portion of Massachusetts. In the 30 years leading up to 2014, there was a 78% decline in the abundance of lobster in southern New England. Specifically, Rhode Island and Connecticut have seen lobster landing declines of 70.3 and 96.6% respectively from their most profitable years, and New York isn't faring any better with a decline of 97.7%. Meanwhile, as the waters further south become increasingly inhospitable, Maine has been seeing a boom in its lobster population since the 90s. During the same 30-year period in which southern New England saw that large decline, the Gulf of Maine's lobster population is estimated to have grown by about 515%. According to a study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, which gives them the arguably unfortunate acronym of PNAS, <laughs> a large degree of this growth is attributable to conservation efforts in Maine that aren't consistently taken in other states. Namely, returning large lobsters to the sea in order to maintain a breeding population, and marking egg-bearing lobsters so that any fishers who catch them in the future know to release them. The study's model estimates these measures made the recent population growth about more than double what it would have been otherwise. However, as many listeners have probably anticipated, this lobster fortune in Maine can't last indefinitely in the face of warming waters, even with responsible conservation efforts. Indeed, according to the model mentioned a moment ago, even if southern New England had been using the same conservation conservation methods as Maine, they still would have seen a decrease of about 57%, which is better than the 78% decrease that happened, but in the long term it shows conservation without climate action can only delay the inevitable. What's particularly concerning is that the Gulf of Maine is warming faster than about 96 to 99% of ocean waters globally. For the last 40 years, water in the Gulf has been warming at a rate of about 0.8 degrees Fahrenheit per decade. As such, by 2050, it's anticipated that the lobster population in the Gulf of Maine will have declined by about 40 to 62 percent compared to 2014, which would bring the state back down to population levels that we experienced in the mid-2000s or earlier. For the same period, the best-case scenario for southern New England shows levels rising back to about the same as they were in the late 2000s, which is nowhere near their peak in the 90s, and the worst-case scenario suggests a complete failure for that region to recover. And the researchers note that considering high-resolution climate projections show the northwestern Atlantic warming at three times the global average, the reality will probably be closer to those worst-case projections. So if you live in New England, especially in areas where lobster fishing hasn't yet collapsed, and you want your children and grandchildren to have the opportunity to use lobstering to supplement their income or make a living, or even just to enjoy an iconic regional delicacy with locally fished lobster, then it's vital to hold those in power to account when it comes to substantial climate action, 
No more half measures, and certainly no more burying our collective heads in the sand. Sand that may soon be undisturbed by the presence of your favorite crustacean. Thank you very much for that piece, Owen. Now we're going to talk about Maine's future with climate change. Maine in the past century has seen and experienced climate change throughout the state. First recorded in 1895, Maine has warmed about 3 degrees Fahrenheit and precipitation increased by almost 6 inches annually. Even up to recent date, precipitation has not only been scientifically proven, but has been witnessed firsthand by all Mainers. Maine is also experiencing sea level rise, a rise in water temperatures, coastal floods and storms, and warmer winters, which means Maine winters will be warmer, resulting in more rainfall as opposed to our lovely snow. Maine has and will continue to feel these effects of climate change unless something is done. In the future, we could see worse flooding and winter recreation, which could affect the ecosystem, fishing, and agriculture. Obviously, these will greatly impact the wildlife we have here in Maine, but it will also affect us with unbalanced seasons, difficulty in producing Maine crops due to extra precipitations, and warmer days, livestock, which could affect our food sources and an increase in health issues in humans, just to name a few. Now I'd like to touch a little on how our futures as people could be affected by climate change we are currently seeing in Maine. Climate change will affect the population in one of two main ways. It will change the seriousness or frequency of some of the health problems we already face in Maine, or it will create new or unanticipated health problems in the population where we have not seen them before. The issues we could see in our population here in Maine are an increase in respiratory and heart diseases, pest diseases like Lyme disease, as an increase in the temperature would increase the tick population, water and foodborne illnesses, injuries, or even death. Climate change can and has also been connected to the increase in violent crimes and poor mental health. Climate change here in Maine, as in most places, is partly due to the immense amount of fossil fuels we burn. Fossil fuels are your coals, oils, and gases, and are the main contributor to the worldwide climate change. Fossil fuels can be used to account for over 70% rise in the greenhouse gas emissions and the almost 90% rise in carbon dioxide emissions. Greenhouse gases and carbon dioxide promote health and climate issues due to the gases entrapping the sun's heat in our atmosphere. Fossil fuels are the gases we put in our car, the power we use for heating and electricity. Fossil fuels are even used to produce our foods and manufacturing things like clothes, metals, houses, and about everything involving some sort of production. Unfortunately, it is quite a commonplace thing that many people think like think little to nothing about other than the results and produ- it produces inconvenience. Roughly 60% of the homes in Maine are dependent on heating oil for the cold seasons and more than $4 billion are spent yearly to provide said oil. On the positive side, as of 2021, about 72% of Maine's in-state net generation came from the renewable energies like hydro, wind, and solar energies and there are groups focused on decreasing greenhouse gas emissions by 45% by 2030, and eventually a whopping 80% decrease in greenhouse emissions by 2050, achieving a net zero by 2045. Is there anything we as a people can do to have a positive effect on climate change and the effect it has on Maine? Some companies have already decided to switch to electrically powered vehicles for company vehicles as opposed to the fossil fuel ran motor vehicles we have now. The biggest impact we can make as a whole is to completely switch to renewable energy as opposed to what we use now, which we can see is currently harming the climate and its environment, yet we still refuse to change. We almost completely refuse to even acknowledge it. Learning and becoming aware of our individual carbon footprints and attempting to change accordingly is another wonderful way we can try and combat climate change. In the end, Maine's future with climate change is what we make of it. And with the state as it is in now, we should, it should be no surprise that this is a time-sensitive problem. And we only have so long to have a positive effect on not only our state of Maine, but climate change itself. All right. Thanks for that piece, Corbin. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks, to everyone, for tuning in. 
If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review and share it with your friends. If there are any topics you would like us to cover in the future, feel free to reach out via social media or leave a comment on our YouTube channel. See you next week when we'll be covering the relationship between housing and climate change.